things just hey are, are we rolling right now? yeah we are this whole we thing is pre-show pre-show no one said anything bad billy joe's got hot wives that, well that's our takeaway that's the takeaway from the four days speaking of uh, stuff though like when you were talking about uh traditions you were talking about Wait, the mic- are we, like is this a thing yeah right it's now, a thing or are you gonna roll in no i'm gonna just give me a second okay i thought maybe that this was something who's producing this thing capture. i'm not sure who is yeah <laughs> Fear is <laughs> right. The fear is that you are. You my, were talking about the mikvah, mikvah. Yeah. Right. That's the two ladders in a bathtub. Yes, yeah, stairs. Right. And so, recently, I watched Unorthodox. Yeah. Uh, which I was like, boy, that was I was entranced. Right. And I love that kind of thing. But in there, just before she gets married, right, she goes to the mikvah. Right. She's got to go down one set of stairs, and she gets clean, and then she goes up the other. And like, that's fascinating to me. Like, so is that like still a thing? Right, but the dilemma of those kind of movies is is people think of Jews as the most orthodox Jews, like they are. And right. so much of what they do is added, like even within those traditions, mm. are added requirements that the Bible doesn't even talk about. I love this as an entrance to what I want to talk about in this episode, because I'm wondering how much stuff we're adding, Yeah. or how we've added. Yeah. Anyway, hey, listen, welcome. You're in the... Um, Limited series podcast, a pastor and a rabbi walk into a cultural crisis. Uh, my name is Scott Eastman. I'm a pastor on staff with Life Church in Green Bay. Joining me today is the head, teach, lead pastor, uh, Sean Hennessy, and uh, my friend, oh, who's my friend as well, and then my friend, uh, Rabbi Matt Rosenberg. Uh, and we're just talking about the climate in today's world as it surrounds uh, 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 racial ugliness, right? And so we've been just talking about how that relates to the church, how that relates to our faith, how that relates to, you know, Sean and I as quintessential super duper white dudes, our friend Matt, who's uh, Jewish Italian and, you know, our just everything. It's just everything. And so we've been talking about that. I hope you've been enjoying it. Uh, As you just started alluding to Matt, like there's stuff that Orthodox, tell me, tell me how to say this right. Judaism, Mm -hmm. not Judaism. Judea, is it? Okay. Yeah. I, just wanna, I don't want to say it wrong. Tomato, tomato. Is yeah. it? Yeah. Judaism. Okay. Like how there's stuff that they're like, well, if this is true, then this must also be true. Let's make this part of the deal. And I feel like in America, we've done that to our faith. We've we've hijacked Christianity to be our own. We've whitewashed. Certainly, you said this in one of the early episodes, how we've Aryanized Jesus, right? Blue eyes, blonde hair, right? Looks more like my brother-in-law than he does... You know, even like you, right? And so we just, we want to, even, and that's and that's not a recent phenomenon, right? Like Western culture has been doing that forever. Since they could start painting, they painted Jesus as white, right? Well, and that's one of the funny things is, you know, one of the Ten Commandments is do not make graven images. And in Judaism, you don't, historically, you don't paint people. We paint in like Hebrew language and we do other things, but you don't paint people for the specific purpose of you don't want to ever come close to worshiping them. Oh, so I love that. It's like, later that Christians start making graven images and all of those images from the Middle Ages are how we, uh, from the Renaissance painters, are how we think of Jesus. But we we forget that they were like 1,500 years late. Right. Late. How would they have any idea? <laughs> right. Right. How would they have any idea? Right. But we we like that. Right. As I don't know. So then, do we like that as 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 
Caucasian people? Do we like that as just people in general? We want to have reminders. I want to carry a reminder around with me. I want to put a fish on my car or a bracelet on my wrist or an emblem on my shirt or a saint in my pocket, right? Mm-hmm. Like I want to, I just want to, like I think we're like right now, right? In my keys, right? I'm not even Catholic, right? But I've got seven, seven saints, right? That I carry around with me. Like I just like to, oh, I really like, like uh, this is Paul and then there's Mother Teresa and then uh, there's Dismas. That's who the Catholic called the repentant thief. And so, like, I like I, I just like to remember that. And so, like, there's not a Jesus one, though. Um, but we like to carry around our reminders. But we like to make God cute. Like, we want to, we want to cute. If I want to like, have a cute meme about God or if I want to send a forwarding letter, if you don't forward this, God's not going to bless you. Like, we want to cutify God, you know, and we don't want to, like, we don't want to serve God. We don't, I don't want to go have a conversation with a person of another color or a person of another class. I'd much rather just send this cute meme out that, you know. God, I feel like all those things, from the Renaissance painters to my mini saints to the, you know, to memes about forward this letter or you won't be blessed. Like we, we're minimizing the <laughs> giantness and the and the grandeur of God, and more importantly, I guess in this conversation, to His message of love and to fight intolerance or to fight injustice and to stand up for our brother, and not stand by while His blood is shed. Right. So, as a culture, have we whitewashed uh, faith? I mean, I think the the difficulty is that America was founded as a quote Christian nation, um, but the founding fathers' understanding of Christianity was far removed, in some ways, from Jesus and the disciples, to the point where the majority of them owned people, like and use the Bible as reasoning to own people, um, which, you know, Paul's comments about slavery in, the God, in, in his letters in the New Testament are not allowing slavery or saying it should be. He's just speaking to those of you who are slaves. I mean, there's, a, there's like a, there's categories of male, female, Jew, Gentile, slave, free, Right where they were just categories of people that he was speaking to, um, but you know people have used the Bible to you know women can't speak on microphones, you know we don't put women on stage, um, and they use verses you know a woman should not speak, um, and they apply it to. You know, all kinds of things that it probably shouldn't be applied to. How do we know what of that stuff? How do we know what stuff that, that we that was pertinent to that context but not pertinent anymore? Yeah. And and like but then there's other stuff that like but that's for sure still now. Like how do we make you guys are both highly educated people. I'm not. So like how do we make that dissertion? Like how do we how would I ever know? Because I mean, as a, as someone with a vague sense of the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. Like I know that what you're saying about Paul, and so we don't we don't question because that was that was just the land that Paul lived in. But then when we yeah. talk about same sex marriage or homosexuality, we know nope, that's still true today, yeah. right? And so like, how do we make that? Who's who's got the authority to draw that line? Well, I think a I think it goes back to our last episode where we're not, and I'll say it like this: that we're to not the listening, last episode. right? <laughs> that we're not listening, and and by listening, I think we're not learning. I think. First of all, I think lots of people who claim to be believers don't read their Bible at all. They certainly don't study their Bible. And it, it takes work to study anything. 
It takes work to become enlightened, if you would, on any topic. But we don't gauge the importance of digging. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, not, it's not a hidden thing what the context of those scriptures were. There are books that can be read. There is history that can be read. You can, mm -hmm. and and if you don't want to ascribe it even to scripture, then you can just go back and study what's what culture and society was during that time from other things other than scripture to say, oh well, this is the culture or this was the environment that that was born into. So what could possibly Paul, in this instance, what could it be that he was talking about? Mm -hmm. Oh, these were the people that he was talking to. And the, like these were people who existed outside scripture, mm -hmm. right? Like the Corinthians were people before Paul mentioned them. Mm -hmm. the, yeah. Paul didn't create the Romans. Like mm -hmm. these were people who he encountered and he interacted with, who then he, he had to filter through the existing context the same way we do. Like if we wrote letters to people about ideas that lasted for a few thousand years and people came back and read our words, how would they contextualize our words? They would have to come back. Like even right now, like there's there are different things being written right now than there were being written two months ago because there has been an enlightenment yes. to some people right. about the perils of other people. And so we're we're saying things, and one of the things that's interesting is that that we're right now, maybe for some people for the first time, we are cautiously measuring our words, things that perhaps we should have been doing our whole lives. Yeah. Maybe we should have been thinking about the things that we were saying before they said it. So when you go back and you read things like, you know, about my, what Matt's talking about, what was the context that he was talking about? Into and out of what yeah. was the current climate? Yeah, I mean the Bible like spans a thousand years and has over forty authors, mm -hmm. and they're often in different time periods in a variety of places. Um, there's different things happening in the world that affect why they're speaking to the things that they're speaking to. And if you don't go back and understand the original context, then, I mean, you can make, aside from the Bible, you can make anything sound like anything. I mean, yeah, I could take Martin Luther King out of quote, uh, out of context, out of his context, take some of his quotes uh, and make him sound like he hated white people. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like you, yeah. you can manipulate anything to make it turn into anything, especially in our world, because people only read 280 characters, right, on on Twitter. So if it doesn't fit in that, you know, it's not it's not relevant. Mm. Um, and Proverbs is the original Twitter, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, they're short. They're short sayings um, that have wisdom. But you can, you know, you take those things out of context. Um, and it's it's easy because if you just pick up a Bible and start reading it, you don't know what you're reading, mm -hmm. um, which is part of the dilemma is if people really want to dig in, you have to know the text well enough to then dig into all of the cultural, historical, religious context and understand the things that they were actually, you know, so, for instance, um, LGBT is, you know, the, the issue in the Bible in both the Old and the New Testament 
is sex. It's not marriage. It's sex. And the reason why God describes sex as between a man and a man and a woman and a woman um, as an abomination is not because he hates people, but because the image of God in Genesis chapter 1 is male and female. And he makes the male first. He takes the half of a male. It's not his rib. The Hebrew is actually like his side. He takes his side out, creates female. But then after that, it says, and together they were made in the image of God, male and female. And then it says a man is supposed to leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they become one flesh. And the idea of sex and the male and the female becoming one flesh is actually in the moment of intercourse where we are the closest to the actual image of God that you could ever be in all of creation because it's the combination of the two that goes back to the one. And then it's the combination of the two that creates more images of God. Right? So it's a it's a it's an image of God issue. It's not a people issue. But we get ourselves caught up in these conversations of am I against gay marriage or for gay marriage? But but marriage isn't even from my standpoint I'm not against anybody doing what they want in the United States, as long as it doesn't hurt other people. So if people want to get married and they are separating themselves from what the Bible says because they're not living their lives by the Bible, then I'm not trying to fight against something that other people just want to do. But you have to, you know, and I think you can't mistreat. The dilemma is because of a belief that it's against the image of God, then people take it to the point where I can have nothing to do with those people, and then those people are the problem, and then why would we let those people marry, and then why would we let those yeah. people, and then we burn them at the stake. Right. Why right? would we let those they, people Why would we even kids? let them live? Why would, why would yeah. we even let them live? Right? And that's, like, somewhere there's this line of, like, no, we can just disagree, but still attempt to have relationships with people because we want them to you know, see the love of God in in who we are. And I'm not, you know, no matter how this plays out, somebody's going to listen to this right now and say Matt's against gay people. And some people and, are going to listen and they're going to say Matt's pro-gay. Right. Like They'll they'll take whatever excerpt right of those side. words yeah. you just said. I'm not said. going to his church. I'm going to stop giving him money. Right. Yeah, and, because he just you know. said he's not against blah, blah, blah. Right. But if you said I am against blah, 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 because beyond just the Jesus thing, who else have we whitewashed from right. history? Right. And who else have we vilified? And there's been awful, yes. evil things that people who said they loved God did to gay people because they were gay. And, and the we Jewish have, people. And we have to own that. And the black people. Totally. And everybody. The Indians or yeah. Native Americans. Yeah. Or in, Indian yeah. as India. In, right. from yeah. India. That's not feathers. No, right. everybody. That's Everybody. from Seinfeld. But that's such yeah. a racist thing. You Sorry. just said. You did. You, but see, but yeah. this is an example. No, this but that's a- part of it is you have to be able to wrestle with the reality of, you know, those things come to our minds whether we want them to or not. Right. But this is a microcosm. This Here we are in a little triangle, in a little room, right. three dudes who love each other. Right. But if you really do love somebody, then you can't tolerate the things that happen. And it, you have zero – I know you super well. And there's zero ill intention in – a word like that coming out of your mouth and you say, but it's, but it's from Seinfeld. But if I really love you, right. I would say what I just said. 
I would say, yeah, but bro, it doesn't matter if that's from Seinfeld. Because if I had a feather or a dot, I wouldn't want you to say that about me, right? Right, because you're more than a feather or a dot. Right. Like, be, but if you image of God, if you love your neighbor as yourself, yep. right? Yeah. I want. No, I'm just maybe I'm at a different place at 46 years old in my life and got two, you know, two kids and. I'm about to lose one of them to college and I go, what I want in my life is I want people to love me enough to bring correction to me. Right. But I think one of the things that we think in our society right now is that differences equal hate. Yeah. yeah. So, and I'm not just talking about us being different as people, but having different opinions or having uh, a different language set or or way that we grew up i want people who look at me and think enough of me to say bro uh-uh that's not right and i like i do that i do that with my kids i do that with my friends who are close enough to me but i think sometimes too like you get into a certain position mm-hmm. where people don't want to correct you and so there's a difference between somebody sending you a hate email or Facebook message, or somebody waiting for you in the lobby after your sermon, like you talked about on the last episode, and saying, I got a problem with blah, blah, blah. There's a difference between that and coming to your friend and saying, hey, when you say that, I see this, and it's not even just a racial thing, but like, I want people who love me enough to watch how I treat my wife, or how I treat my kids, Mm -hmm. so that they can help me become less like me right. and more like Jesus or Yeshua to say, uh, why is it that you talk to her like that? Because I noticed that sometimes when you talk to Sonny, you're, you're curt with her. And she may not view it that way because that's, right. like, that's the best way that we communicate in short snippets. But at the same time, I may think she doesn't see it that way, but she really does see it that yeah. way. But I've become so familiar with her or right. so familiar with my kids or so familiar with myself that I don't recognize those things that I'm doing that may be hurtful. And I'm not trying to center you out on just you know a, a little comment or trying to belabor a particular thing. Right. But I think... When loving each other and listening to each other. And one thing I know about Scott, he's super teachable, which I think is a very godly attribute Mm -hmm. to have in us. And so what is it that we're saying or doing or thinking or presenting or profiling ourselves as? Who Who are we talking about? Like this idea of like, have we whitewashed Christianity? Have we whitewashed Jesus? That we have whitewashed or vilified so many people culturally, like I grew up studying African-American history, right? In seventh grade, I did my year-end written report on the biography of Malcolm X. I idolized Malcolm X growing up. I wanted, I was moved by his speeches by any means necessary. And that was my opinion, right? Mm-hmm. And I even found myself, now this is this is going to sound sacrilegious to some people. I grew up thinking less of MLK because he wasn't, in my very limited vantage point, he wasn't like Malcolm. And so I would look at one particular thing, but we've whitewashed 
MLK. And I, when the whole George Floyd thing happened, one of the things I saw is either on uh, Instagram or Twitter was from was from Dr. King's daughter who said, you guys have, have made him a hero, but never forget that when he was alive, he was the most hated man in America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this was a guy who I had whitewashed. Yeah. I had made right. him so people keep, weak. People keep posting a thing that's of him marching and it says, never like was violent, right. never did yeah. this. Didn't, didn't, didn't. And then and then a, a whole bunch of other people are like, other people are like, and that's why they he was shot. <laughs> like we forget that he was killed violently. Right. Like, you know. One of the things that was interesting is that you and I points. had a conversation is when we talked about uh, the march and Selma. Yeah. And you talked about how if you look at the old pictures, and I had never noticed this because if you look at the old pictures, he he is flanked by Jewish rabbis. Yeah, I mean, one guy's literally carrying a Torah scroll right next to him, like two people over, and the other is uh, Ra- Abraham Joshua Heschel. Um, who is like one of the most important rabbis of of the 20th century. Yeah, and, he's got a quote Yeah, where he says, we are closer to God when we are asking questions than when we think we have all the answers, right? right. And so, and I love that as it applies to this conversation. Yeah. Right, because we... Which is a very Jewish thing, by the way, because we operate in questions, not in answers. It's part of the difference between Judaism and Christianity. Mm. Christianity has a system a systematic theology, right? You believe this, then you believe this, then you believe this. And Judaism is less systematic and more like, I don't know if the answers really matter as much as you asking the right Which questions. Which is why church looked like, it looked like for them, where it wasn't like sitting in front of one dude saying what he knows, then everyone leaves, right? It was more a matter of like a conversation. It was more a matter right. of a discussion. I think maybe my wife might be actually Jewish. Right, because she does nothing but question me all the time. Like, Why are you? How come you didn't? Did you do this? Did you? Always, always. Yeah. Anyway, but like, I feel like that's a thing, right? And so, mm-hmm. so that goes back to this idea of like, we should start asking questions. Well, like, and that's we, the, what we were talking about listening in the last episode. Like, the 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 issue for, uh, of part of it's not just that you're hearing what people say are saying, it's that you're actually asking. Questions of, you know, part of relationship with people is having people who are real friends uh, that are different than you to be able to have ask them the real questions. You know, like I could say to my friend Javon, "Can a black person be racist?" Which feels like wrong to ask, but I'm just like I'm trying to understand, so I have to ask it. You know, I had probably one of the most well-known influential pastors um, in the world um, said to me, I don't understand why Jewish practice matters to you. And I, But I don't think it was like – wasn't He wasn't malicious. Yeah. He was actually just saying, I, I just don't understand. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But you could take it as, you know, I mean part why of my answer was because Jewish identity yeah, yeah. matters to Jesus, you jerk. Yeah. But um, – <laughs> You know, like you had that right in your pocket, it, right? Man. But you know, but he, but I actually wasn't offended when he said it because I understood in relationship and in conversation he was genuinely trying to understand. So sometimes understanding means you have to be able to. I think what we don't like is confrontation. Mm-hmm. I think confrontation Which is scares. Odd because we're so confrontational. Yeah, but real confront, not not stand in a, you know with a barrier between you and yell at each other confrontation. But like an actual sensitive, like, you know, I'm going to say it this way and I know it's not the right way to say it. Maybe. Yeah. But could you help me 
find like what am I missing? That's still a confrontation. Yeah, so do, so we, do we not do that because we're we're yeah we're afraid. we're lazy or I because we're, we're afraid. afraid? I think we're afraid, and I think we don't really understand how to have um, deeply connected relationships with other people. You would have thought by now that. I mean, we've we've been around each other for so long, not us three, but like yeah. as as ethnicities, right? Mm-hmm. We've been around for so, so long that we would have worked this out. I would have thought in high school in 1985 that by 2020, we'd have had this all figured out. Yeah. But right? I thought by 2020, we'd have flying cars. Too, I know, right? right? I thought we'd be yeah, the Jetsons. I think people have an averse viewpoint and reaction to debate because in our Western culture, debate is about who wins. Yeah. Right? So right. why can't our debate be about like we both right. win, yeah, right? Yeah. right. So the the idea of debate in our culture is I'm going to tear you down, right? But the idea of debate in some other parts of the world, like in the Middle Eastern part of the world, I, like I said, I grew up with a lot of Muslim friends. They debate all the time mm-hmm. in their whole families. And if you're from like the outside culture, you're like, oh my god, all they do is argue. Yeah. But the whole <laughs> idea for them is we're going to debate this. Because in the end, I'm debating you not to tear you down, but to build you up so that I can make you better. And I think like your like your point to your question to your friend about can black people be racist? I don't think it's offensive to ask that question. What's offensive is if you have that question and you don't ask it. Mm, because right. if you have that question and you don't answer, ask it, guess who gets to formulate the answer? You. Right. You're going to form an opinion about that in your mind right. that will be based on yeah. ignorance and lack of facts. Yeah. And so if I have a question, like if I have a question about anything Jewish and I don't ask you, I'm going to form an opinion about that. Right. And it'll almost always be wrong. Right. Because I don't have the right context. I mean, even I'm watching my my 14-year-old is, you know, she's very socially conscious. She's trying to, you know, figure out where she stands she's an incredible artist and she drew this awesome picture of a black girl with her fist up with flames behind her and then the spacex shuttle and just wrote this is america Hmm. it's like an incredible drawing and i put it on social media because i was like my kid is so awesome and i love (laughs) that she is like the space shuttle private space shuttle launch and all this racial tension and things on fire. And, you know, her her message was, you know, kind of one-sided in the post. Um, but she's 14. Like, mm-hmm. give her a chance to form her own yeah. opinion. And, and what I found was some of my, like, friends were offended that I posted her post. But didn't actually tell me that they were offended. They told other people. And it's like, do we even know each other? Yeah. Are we like, can you not call me and say, what's the deal with that post? Are you like against the police? Or whatever people were thinking, right. you know what it's, I mean? Like, yeah. would they make that like Lean whatever people a, are thinking, you know, like, how, yeah. like, like, just call, like, let's just talk about, just ask me, right. you know? And we had this whole fight about, you know, we, we should, should we make Emma take it down? And, and I was like, I don't know. I don't want to like. I think she's trying to figure out a social conscience, right? And like, she's developing. Don't it. beat her up over it. Don't beat me up over it. Let's just right. She she uh, you know 
I think what, she's trying 14? to understand. You're on a drive. What do you? What kind of moron are you? Right. right? And like she's those... reading all this stuff on her own, you know. And 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 Laura, my wife, had a conversation with her, and you know, showed her a video from our police chief in Seattle, who's a black woman. And Emma just said, "Oh, our chief is a black woman," and it's like changed her context. Yeah, like it's not as simple. Yeah. <laughs> This is this is all not as simple as our Facebook posts but make see, it how, out to how be. How would like, someone make the, like, like when you say that that people are like, well, oh, do you hate police? Like I yeah. go, how do you make that leap? Yeah. From well, because a fourteen-year-old girl puts up a picture to you hate police. Yeah, because in her in her original post, I just posted a picture, but she also posted it on Instagram, and she posted some buildings on fire when all that was happening and some things. And in her text, it was there was nothing. A, necessarily against police but it was so pro like protest that you know people it, that's yeah. part of the dichotomy is like right, if, you're what, for the protesting, talking, if you're for the protest you must be against yeah, this must their, be against yeah, it reminds me that there's a meme ideas. right now that, that says like you know in on social media if you say i really prefer oranges to tangerines right then oh like so you know like tangerines are evil right so you know we mentioned grapefruits mm. why why don't you like apples like and we just we want to yeah. do all that. We, I don't don't even come near me with a banana, bro. They're disgusting. Really? You don't like bananas? Disgusting. That's ridiculous. I love bananas. Bro. Disgusting. I like bananas. I don't even a lot. like the way they smell. I don't like the way they really? look. I don't it's like nature's anything about perfect fruits. Got its own packaging. It's... Plus, my wife just told me that grapefruits were invented in um, just like in the last hundred years. Really? Yeah. I hate grapefruits. I hate grapefruits. I love my daddy grapefruits. grapefruit all the time. But I still love, love you. Like I love bananas. Delicious. You hate bananas. You love grapefruits. Right. I hate grapefruits. And I go like, yeah. Why? I why? think the fear is in actually having the conversations of like, you know, I don't understand why you posted what you posted. Could you explain it to me? Yeah. Like, do we not have, yeah, you know, relationships where yeah. we can just, you know, because then you struggle when people don't talk to you about something, right? I struggle with like, I hope they're not actually mad at me, like, you know, like can. You know, and now now I'm in a position where I'm gonna, you know, I have to send out some messages like, "Are you mad at me?" Because I've heard from yeah. other people that you might be. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Like, right. don't. Yeah. You know, let's just. I know it's tense. I know it's awful. I know it's frustrating. Um, but th- the nature of these things is there's really opportunity for real conversation, mm-hmm. which leads. You know, which you listen in conversation, which could lead you to change an opinion yeah. that you held because you didn't, you weren't asking people okay who to understood your it opinion. differently. It's okay yeah. to be enlightened, yeah. like you had yeah, said. Totally. It's okay to like it's okay to, to grow to be wrong. Yeah, I mean, the truth is, if you're like in your 40s and 50s and you believe everything exactly the way you believe them in your 20s, there's something wrong. Yeah, like you haven't grown. Yeah, talk about arrested development in anything. Right. Like yeah. you. You need to shift something. Like, yeah. you know, you can't believe exactly what you believe. Well, the older that I get, the more I realize that I don't know. Right. But that I have to be proactive about that. Yep. Like what am what is it that I am learning? What is it that I know about the people around me? What is it that I know about people of different preferences or people of different religions? Or right now in the context that we're talking about, what do I even know about people of different races. Now, I think that I know a lot about the black culture, right. but I don't know anything uh, about the Native American culture. 
I think I know a lot about Asian culture because I've spent a lot of time in Asia and I love Asia. And, mm-hmm. and so, but part of why I love Asia is because I have spent so much time there and I've become enamored with some of the things that they do. I've become enamored by some of their medical practices and by some of their wellness and wholeness ways and by some of the dedication that they do have spiritually to Caref- the things. Careful I may not you agree don't get with. sucked into demon medicine. That would be bad. <laughs> I, may, I may not agree with some of the That's things that they do spiritually. Don't, don't eat a bat or anything. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I've never eaten bat. I have, I've eaten a lot of like really weird stuff, right? Yeah. And well, about you this, took, yeah, you took me to that Indian restaurant that one time. That's ridiculous. What did you eat that was weird? I, the whole thing was weird. The, the whole thing. But th- this again goes back to. Yeah, I love Indian no, food. No, I hate Indian food. It's oh. my favorite food. Can't do it. Yeah. And uh-uh. I had never Comes had right Indian out. food. Uh, so gross. <laughs> I had never had Indian food until like a decade ago. Hmm. And I always used to say, I don't like Indian food when people would ask me. Right. And the reason I didn't like Indian food is because when I was a kid, my mom used to make curry chicken. But what she did is she took green curry powder and she put it on curry. chicken and she baked it in the oven. It was gross. <laughs> right, right, and right, I right, loved right. my mom and right. she, she loved what, it. And my, my brothers loved it. That's what Laura would usually say is like, if you don't like something, that's because you probably didn't eat it by somebody. You ate something right. that made by someone who didn't know what they were doing. Hmm. Well, I did go to the Indian restaurant. Hopefully they know what they're doing. Uh, when, when, I, when I ate in mainland China for the first time, I remember how offensive I was. Yeah. To the people who were at the table, the people who were who were buying me the meal and right. some of the stuff that was in there. And then but then my friend who was from mainland China, who was my host, leaned over to me and said, couple things. Number one, you're being offensive right now. I know you're not intending to be. But when you when you pass, he goes, Number one, the people who are buying this meal, this is the most expensive restaurant in this city. And the and the things that they're ordering right now for you to eat are the most expensive things on the on the menu right and he said and there are certain beliefs that we have about the things that we eat that are beneficial to you so so just open up your mind and so then they bring out things that to me were disgusting but they were only disgusting because they were new Mm. and some of those things i tried them and they were delicious. But I had to get over the thing in my mind that was blocking it, that was like, oh my gosh, I'm eating brain right now. And this is so disgusting. And who in their right mind would ever eat brain? But then you right think mind. back to some of the things that we <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> some of the things that we eat. And we go, I wonder if that's gross to them. Like I I know this is gonna sound weird. But I love chitlins. So my experience is opposite because I went on this the same way. Hey, we, yeah. What were chitlins? What are chitlins? Intestines. Mm. Oh, so like haggis. Mm. Mm. I don't know if it's. Aren't the you same Scottish? As, yeah, but I never ate Scottish food. Here's the interesting thing. Right. We uh, now, I never had this, Jewish food. Let me get this My mom's into. Italian. We'll put this into a a weird context, right? We never identified as Scottish. We identified as Irish, because somewhere along the line. Mm-hmm. It was demeaning to identify ourselves as Scottish. So we identified ourselves as Irish. Mm. And so for the longest time, I didn't know that I had a Scottish side. I, for a long time growing up, thought I was 100% Irish. 
But then my my grandmother on the Hennessy side was a McMaster, right? My mom's maiden name is White, W-H-Y-T-E. That is a Scottish name. Now, Hennessy, that's a super Irish name. And when you go to Ireland, boy, it's everywhere. Or to any bar, there that name is everywhere. Or any rap song, mm-hmm. awesome. that name Delicious. is everywhere. I feel like <laughs> there's a lot of rappers who owe me money. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying, because they <laughs> use my name. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying that why, why would it be any different? Like now I look and I go, Scottish and Irish people are so similar. But there was something in the line of my family that made it embarrassing to be identified as Scottish. So I never ate Scottish food, but I ate Irish food. It was so weird. weird. But Chitlins, I just grew up and I had a lady in my neighborhood, Grandma Grace. And she is this super old black lady and she was the neighborhood grandma. She was everybody's grandma, Grandma Grace. She was a beautiful, loving lady. And she just took all of us kids in and she would cook us food and she... Man, she would cook chitlins. Oh, man. It's like boiled, fried. Wait, wait. She could make them any way she wanted, bro. But you, if you deep fry some chitlins. You I mean, deep, listen, you deep you fry eat, anything. Do you it's eat delicious. pork rinds, though? I do. Yeah, ain't nothing but some deep fried fat. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm. So it's like we, so like we don't think pork rinds are weird, but maybe somebody in... I mean, I, I would Scotland, eat it. <laughs> yeah, you can eat it for sure. Right. Yeah. But that's so the same story. In an earlier episode, I said it, I went on this thing to North Carolina, and the guy said, Is that a pancake on your head? And then that lady said, well, Are you a genuine Jew? Like, this was a crazy trip for me. Uh, but this one of the churches that we were at served us dinner, and they made barbecue. And, um, and I had like a little internal crisis. Because I was like, they're serving us the food. I should just eat it. Mm. And I ate it. And I felt terrible about eating it. And then one of the hosts came over to me and they said, did you eat that? And I said, yeah, I just wanted to like, you Not know. be rude. She said, but you don't eat pork because you're Jewish? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, I am so sorry. Mm. And then I was like, oh, if I had just said, you know, there might be a conversation about why. But if I've just said at the beginning, I don't really eat pork, I, you know, I think they were more offended that I ate something that they served me that mm-hmm. I wouldn't normally eat. And then that was like really yeah. kind of striking for me, like, oh, you know, because in that in that case, when I travel internationally, I I have to say to people, you know, I can't eat pork and shellfish. And then, you know, yeah. in, um, in, in lots of countries, that's, you know, there's so much seafood I can't eat. Right. Um, it's hard to even, and I don't eat it. Eat seafood often, even the stuff I could eat. So I don't even know what I can and can't eat. So mm. it's like a confusing situation mm. for me. But in the same sense, it's like you know, from a um, from a friendship standpoint, you know, it, it it goes both ways for people. Like sometimes it's disrespectful to not eat it, but it would also be disrespectful to say because you have a reason why you don't want to eat something. To say, you know, I just eat it because you're serving it to me, mm-hmm. like, because then they find out that, and then you're like, they're like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make you eat that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's it's like an interesting. Um, but I I think when we come back to this idea of asking questions of people about yeah. what we think or what they think, yeah, comes back to this idea of it makes us feel like we're in a position of inferiority, right? We it makes us admit we don't know something. So like the, just admit that you don't 
could you perhaps right, but sometimes, admit that you don't know everything that you need to know? Yeah, and sometimes people's response is like, well, I don't eat pork. And they're like, why? That's weird. And, yeah. and I think the response is not just like when you don't understand something, you just reject it, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, why would you do that? You know, like I, I, I don't think it actually means that the person is, um, you know, but instead of like being angry, you should just be able to say to people, I don't understand what that is. Could you explain it to me? Like, but I think there's a thing in people, like people use words in conversations that I don't know. And I'll say, I don't know what that word means. Like, can you define it? And I've just found a lot of people are afraid to even do that because they just, they Mm. feel dumb. Yeah. Like, I didn't know that word. I feel really dumb. Instead, you just say, you know, I feel dumb because I don't know what that word is. Could you define it for me? (laughs) It reminds me of what you just said, where you wonder if we aren't, if we aren't, if something that's happening right now is we're not... I don't know, listening deeper, listening more, or taking a second and thinking about what we're going to say. Right. Is that is that a way in which, like this, George Floyd is the latest. Like, he's not even the latest, right? right. No, nope. dude in Atlanta more. with the There's taser at the since. Wendy's, right? Yeah. yeah. A couple of dudes have been hung lately. Like, what's going on? Anyway, so this is like the latest conversation. In mm-hmm. is for me, it feels different this time. I feel like. I've never had this conversation before. I've never had a series of these conversations before. I've never asked DJ. I've never, I mean, is there some way that this particular time, this moment is different than it was for Rodney King or than it was for, I don't know, Ahmad Aubrey. I think maybe one way, and I, I mean, I was young enough, like with the Rodney King thing, that uh, would have totally a different context to me, but. Maybe the difference is that uh, now we're having these conversations without black people. And maybe we should have been having these conversations. So we're having them with our black friends and then we're also having them with each other. Mm. And so if, if I'm connected to the black community and I'm being teachable with them, but you're not connected with the black community, but you're connected with me, Perhaps you'll be teachable with me and I have to have the courage to say some things that perhaps you would only hear from me that you wouldn't hear from someone else. And maybe that's a difference. I mean, that's off the top of my head that, uh, you know, some of my friends in the black community have said that they love the fact that now white people are finally speaking up to other white people. Yeah. And that like, you know, when we talked about the peaceful protest. And my instant reaction is, is this like, and we talked about this, is this just going to be me and uh, a bunch of other white people? And does that look disingenuous? But to our black friends who have then re-communicated with us, they said, no, that is encouraging to us. Right. Like if people haven't listened to your podcast with, with, doc, with Reverend Chris Bell, with David Calloway and BJ Hill, that is a must listen. Because some of the things that they said on that are so profound. I mean, just the things that BJ talked about with um, the formation of police. Right. I just go, I literally, I never knew that. Yeah. I've been friends with Chris Bell for seven years, and I had no idea that he was laid face down on the concrete on his way to class. But suddenly when people hear that, it becomes personal. Yes. 
And and so that when you look at a Chris Bell and you say, when I look at you, I don't see you as a person of color. Chris Bell is a kind, gentle, peaceful enough guy that he wouldn't correct you on that. But in his mind, he's going, let me tell you who does view me as a person of color. Yeah. Do you know that three years ago I was laid face down on the concrete on my way to class? And then when we hear that and we're connected to Chris Bell, we go, what in the hell are you yeah. talking about? Yep. And my first reaction was texting back and forth with Chris saying, did you happen to get the name of that officer? What right. precinct was he from? Yeah. Who was his direct report? Because I, I go, I, I, at 46 years old, I just look at it like this. I don't have enough time left in my life to stand for injustice. Like this is total BS what's going on right yeah. now. And if we don't get frustrated by what's going on right now, th this is crazy. Like this, these are our brothers and our sisters that we have minimized this, the struggle. Right. If you're, if you're not indignant about what's happening, it's because you don't know what's happening. You've not had a relationship or a conversation with a Chris Bell right, or David Calloway or yeah. whomever, right? We've not had that conversation, so we don't know. But like you said, as soon as we know, then it's personal. Yeah. And it needs to be personal for all of us. Just because, you know, we can drive home into, you know, Indian trails or whatever, yeah. right? And just, uh, I didn't mean that in that way, but like, you know... That's a neighborhood. If you're it's a neighborhood, yes. <laughs> it's a neighborhood. Right. It's, it's like it was one of the big fancy neighborhoods. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yep. like we can't just keep going home there and thinking that you know it's someone else's problem. It's our problem. And just because we don't know anyone because we don't live next to them or we don't have coffee with them doesn't mean it's not happening. And it's ignorant and selfish to ignore it. Yeah. Okay, then take it back to Matt. This is literally we don't understand as like Christian Western culture people. We don't understand the strife and the struggle that the Jewish people have lived under. Right. Including all throughout scripture when they lived underneath that, like how many times were they taken into bondage right. and had to be set free, right? Mm -hmm. So like this is a, a culture that our beloved rabbi comes out of that has been endured for all of time. Mm -hmm. This is this is a symptom of the human condition that wants that wants to make other people feel inferior who are different from us. And so I don't want to take away Well, isn't from, that where inferiority comes from too? Like or, or superiority. I feel like superiority comes from the idea that you actually feel inferior and so you will yourself to be superior. Like, people talk about the chosenness of the Jewish people, mm -hmm. Christians. Like, what makes you such a big deal? Well, <laughs> well, we didn't choose ourselves. Yeah. And, and the text is pretty clear that God didn't choose us because we were great. He chose us because we were small. Hmm. And he wanted to give the whole message of who he was through a small people so that it could never be said that we did it on our own. Yeah. Like, pretty yep. simple. But some of those very same things, like our chosenness is part of where the anti-Semitism comes from because it's like, well, why are you such a big deal? And then there is like this reaction to like, we did it ourselves or we're like, you know. I feel like there's a group so of people of that in response to Matt or in response to Chris Bell, maybe not Chris Bell, but like, to, like, listen, okay, I get that. 
I get, you know, Hitler. I get Pharaoh, right? I saw the Ten Commandments. I right. get that. But that didn't happen to you, bro. Yeah. Like that, I, I don't owe anything to you. Yeah. Like, you don't need anything special. It didn't happen to you. Yeah. But, like, there's this whole foundation, right? There's this whole system. There's this whole, yeah. right, global opinion of your people. Yeah. Right, yeah. that does affect you. And that's part of it is I don't need either one of you to ever apologize to me. Like, I don't need Christians to apologize for rejecting the Jewish people. I just need it to be fixed. Just change. Like, just stop. Yeah. Right? Stop preaching like Jews were the problem and we couldn't keep the covenant, so God deserted us. Because that's not even true to the text. Mm-mm. Right. And any scent of that has to stop all of us and say, or just like you were saying, in conversation with other pastors, um, you know, that because of our relationship, you would speak into other pastors or even in your sermons and mm-hmm. start reversing some of those things. That's much more meaningful than an apology because maybe at some point in the past, white people hurt me. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah, not right. Let's, let's finish with this because I love this idea. What does repentance of the sin of racism or classism look like? Like, what are we? What should we be doing? Well, I feel like we've sprinkled this whole podcast yeah, yeah. series with yeah. it. But in summation, like, what should? How can we repent as Christians, as whites, as evangelicals, as whatever? Like, what can we be doing? What should we be doing to repent? I, I mean, one is stop acting like it's not your problem. Mm-hmm. What, you, what you just said, Scott. Stop, stop trying to defend why you're not a racist. Where, whatever side of the argument yeah. people are on, like it's people aren't trying to come after you. They're they're trying to um, fight for equality that was given to us. I mean, just think about the simple, you know, Declaration of Independence, which says everyone. Didn't mean everyone. Yeah, like they they own slaves and they they use biblical language. We were all given, you know, from our Creator, mm-hmm. inalienable rights, right? Except like for you, yeah. like, and it doesn't say it in the text, but we know from context mm-hmm. that because the majority of them own slaves, they didn't mean everyone. So. In some sense, those things are also prophetic to me, and God doesn't, like, well, it still says everyone, so let's just fix it. Yeah. You know, yep. I heard Judah, Pastor Judah Smith from, from uh, Church Home in Seattle said in a conversation, he said, the system's not broken. It's built on faulty foundations. Mm. Like, we got to stop saying the system's broken. Yeah. It's not broken. It was built on the idea that certain people are not actually equal. but And somehow came from the Bible. When the Bible is, nope, God created male and female in his image. Then he separated the Jewish people out from the nations. Because in showing up to save his own people in the person of Jesus, he then told us as the Jewish people to go and tell everyone else that none of your gods are real. They're all fake. There's only one God. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth, and he's the God of Israel, and he sent his son Yeshua to die for the sins of the world so that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Again, leveraging this little teeny tiny nation, this little teeny tiny tribe yeah. to change the world, right? I mean, to the glory it's weird because it's some of the anti-Semitism comes out of our existence. Like, you, you shouldn't exist. <laughs> so you shouldn't. Um, but the story is, it was never us. 
Like it's disproportionate. The impact of Jewish people on our world is disproportionate to our size. But that's what God said would happen all the way from the beginning because he made a covenant with us that that's exactly what would happen. And instead of being celebrated as if God hasn't broken his promises to me and my people, then he won't break any of the promises that you're grafted into. But if God did break promises with my people, then you have no chance. Right. Like if he left us behind, if he dismantled us or just, you know, discarded discarded or dismissed and he said he wouldn't, then Gentiles have no hope. There's no hope for any of you. That's where we talked about Romans 11. That's what Paul, like, don't boast and say, well, branches, natural branches were taken out so that I could be put in um, because he could take you out too. Right. You're not a replacement player, <laughs> you know? right? You're not like a, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that's, I think that's part of the, um, and I see a lot of things going around that I think are helpful in the idea that I think what's different in this, and because George Floyd was so egregious, and so ridiculous and so against the training of what any police officers are actually trained to do and so obvious, you know, I think it's just there's an agreement almost across the board that these kind of things should not happen. And we have to come to a point where we are not just um, – it's not enough to say I'm not a racist. We have to be anti-racism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to let you close. But I, let me just – yeah, hang on. Let me just – I just feel like, crap, now I lost it. Dang, it. We'll wait. We can edit that little part. No, no, that's right. So I feel like to that point, because you made a point earlier about uh, like how we understand God, and we gotta, we got we to gotta figure that out for ourselves. we got to read the Word. And if we're not going to read the Word, we got to at least read words about the Word. Right? Like we, we owe it to our faith. We owe it to our God. We owe it to ourselves to know what's what. And I feel like the same thing is true about this idea of race or, or injustice, that you got to start listening to what the other side is saying. And you, you're going to hear me say that. And you're going to say, well, so i got to turn on CNN or MSNBC or something? Like, m- maybe, yeah. But, like, don't don't sit in, like, your stew of, you know, whatever, whatever pot you're in. Like, there's two pots. There shouldn't be two pots. But if there's two pots, don't just sit in your pot and stew in that pot because you're not growing. You're not becoming better. You're not teachable. You're not anything. You're just you're, – you're being incited by the other stuff in the stew, right? So get out of that pot and maybe sit in the other pot. But it, for the same reason that we have to learn more about who we are in God – by discovering it for ourselves, right? That it's our responsibility, not our pastors, not our priests, not our rabbis, not our, I mean, like it's our responsibility. Like, I mean, they can do some highlights for us, right? And give us some direction, but we should learn to be learning that ourselves. Stop being a backseat, you know, passenger in your faith and stop being a backseat passenger in your humanity. Get involved. Anyway, yeah. Spiritual armchair quarterbacks. Yes. But so many people are. I think... To confront racism going forward, we have to recognize it for what it is. It is a sin. Racism is a sin. Mm -hmm. It is belittling someone else. It is positioning yourself above someone else. And you can call it ignorance or whatever it is you want to call it. But to confront it, number one, we have to recognize that we all have it. Every one of us have cultural biases. We may not know them. And so we have to live our lives with a teachable attitude where we open ourselves up to correction from other people, and then it's going to require courageous conversations. There are going to be people, 
from from my position, if you would, I had to reserve myself to the fact that I will, uh, the amount of Instagram followers, and I, I could care less about Instagram, but the amount of Instagram followers I have lost in the midst of this, you have to recognize some of those things are going to happen. Mm. But in having courageous conversations, those have to be more than two-way. So I have to have two-way conversations with my friends who are different than me, and then in turn be willing to have a courageous conversation with my other friends who are similar to me. Yeah. And, and not be afraid of debate and not be afraid to confront people because if I love you, I can't in good conscience allow you to continue to live your life in sin. Uh-huh. And so I have to. Now, it's not up to me how you respond, but it's up to me how I respond. Yes. And so I'm going to respond in a way that will not allow you to continue to live your life in ignorance. And I expect a reciprocal kind of response to me as well. So if I'm living my life in ignorance, then I want to open myself up to have someone else. And and in saying that as a Western white man right now in this culture, over four episodes, if I have said anything that is that is in error or that is offensive to anyone of any race or creed who knows me, then I open myself up to those conversations and to say, hey, reach out to me. And don't just get pissed off at me because my daughter posted something on social media and you don't agree with it. So now you're going to tell everyone else that you know that you're mad at me. Let's just, can we just grow up? Yeah. As my daughter would say, for five seconds, could we just grow up? (laughs) And could we just have a conversation that is beneficial, not just to you, but also to me? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like... I feel like this is this is an instance, not like the complete instance, but it says in Matthew, it says that that there are things that we're going to have to do or be called to do or be compelled to do because we're followers of Jesus Christ are going to be made it that are going to make other people hate us for it. People are going to hate us for what we are in Jesus Christ. Tell me if I'm taking this out of context because sometimes I do that. I pull out a verse and like feel like it means something to me, but I feel like. Because you were talking about Instagram, right? And I know that Instagram isn't the be all and end all, right? But it's it's indicative, right? It's a it's a it's a meter, right? Mm-hmm. And like, boy, if I'm going to be right or wrong on a side, I want to be right on the side of justice, yeah. right? Because I feel like I feel like it lines up with scripture, it lines up with my spirit, it lines up with my saintly counsel, right? Like, so I'll, I'm going to err on that side, you know, not on the side of like this doesn't match up with my national heritage or my national religion or my. You know what I mean? And so if you if listen, if you want to take your Jesus fish sticker and and scoot, then scoot, man. But I'm not gonna like you said, I'm not I can too old to continue to stand and and turn away my eyes from injustice, right? I'm yeah. too old. Mm-hmm. Well do and not I, stand idly by yeah. while your neighbor's blood is shed. Or his breath is taken away. And I I would yeah. not not to be a bone picker either, is I think that we need to figure out where it is that we come up with our definition of justice 
And Jesus is super clear on it. Yes. Scripture is super clear on it. And so I think that there are people who do things in the name of what they think is justice, that they haven't filtered through the right filter, that the, the yeah. definition of justice is all throughout Scripture. And, and we know, and I said it in my message a couple weeks ago, that God hates injustice. And so to steal a line from, I think, a Hillsong song, I, I want you to break my heart for what breaks yours. Yeah. Right? So what is that? Well, I can't find that out if I don't know what makes your heart beat. And so... It's all in there. It's all in there. And listen, if you don't have, if you don't have a translation of that book that, that makes sense to you, find a translation of that book that makes sense to you. There's no, man, that's another conversation, but like find one that regis, resonates with you. So if you, you know, if you don't read the Bible because you feel like, ah, I don't, I'm not smart enough, then find a different version, right? One that, one that's more conversational to you because it's all in there. It's all in there. Love and love and go. That's what it's all about. Listen, that's the end of this, I think. There's so much more that we could talk about. Maybe we'll come back around and do it again sometime. But this has been a, a limited podcast series called A Pastor and a Rabbi Walk Into a Cultural Crisis. Thanks for joining us, my friend, uh, Pastor Sean Hennessy, my friend, Rabbi Matt Rosenberg. My name is Scott Eastman. Thanks for joining us. If this made any sense to you at all and you think other people should hear, please share with others uh, as much as you can. We're available on all the normal podcast platforms. Uh, we'd love if you subscribe because we're going to do something again soon. Thanks for being around. <laughs>